0: include availability of basic education. Um, it then includes accessibility to basic e- education, accessibility to education, basic education, and adaptability to basic education. I'd like the call to focus mainly on accessibility to basic education, not just this availability. Uh, on uh, basic education and. Availability uh, to basic education includes infrastructure, justices. it includes uh, classrooms, it includes classroom furniture, it includes adequately trained teachers, and then it further includes textbooks, justices. The availability to education according to the UN Declaration does not in any way include sanitary pads uh, for for uh, uh, female learners, Majestices. And as my learned councils have already emphasized, that the Sanitary Pad Initiative does not fall under the right to basic education. The initiative does not fall under the uh, existing policy of what could be subsidized by the state and is not in any way included in the provincial budget, Majestices. Uh, in section 8, uh, when 1.2 of my head, um, I also included that, should the MEC of Education authorize this specific initiative of Sanitary Pets, the MEC must consciously consider the availability of resources made available by the state, as well as the measure employed to achieve the result are governed by the availability of resources. My injustice is, should the, 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 the state divert its resources to um, this sanitary path initiative, other important parts of uh, education system would suffer, such as the transportation initiative and the feeding scheme initiative. In the case of Mazibuku, um, the, the court was asked to determine the Johannesburg's policy with regard to the supply of free basic education, um, it's in paragraph eight point one point three, my um, justices. The the, the court was asked to determine the whether the the Johannesburg policy with regard to the supply of free basic water of six kilometers uh, per household per month, which was in the free basic water policy, whether it was in conflict with the right to. Uh, the right of access to sufficient water provided for in section 27 of the constitution the court held that the right of access to sufficient water does not require the state to provide sufficient water upon demand and that um, to every person and that the right according to the court only requires the state to take reasonable legislative, and other measures progressively to realize the achievement of the right with, um, within the available resources. My justices, it seems as if my learned friends here are, are contradicting themselves and are also contradicting uh, the court <laughs> because in their submission, the recent submission in paragraph six, they have stated uh, uh, their agreement is, is based on a uh, further education. Further education, justices requires the state to take reasonable measures to make uh, further education uh, available and accessible. And then they further, in their arguments, in 6.3 of, uh, six point three of the paragraph six point three, say that the state must uh, must realise this right immediately, Just this uh, I think. Um, is that our elephants are contradicting uh, the court because it seems like they don't know what they want? It's either this right will be realized immediately, or the state will have to take reasonable measures to realize this, this, this specific right. But we submit that the state cannot realize this right immediately, as we have mentioned before that this uh, this initiative does not fall under the right to basic education. And we have to look at what the budget provided for by the provincial. We need to to need look at what the provincial legislature says about the funds provided for to the schools. The budget is not provided for mainly by the MEC of education, but the provincial legislature. That just uh, in paragraph 8.1.4 in the Mazibuku ca- uh, case emphasizes our point that the state will first need to allocate funds for respective initiatives. The MEC cannot, therefore, authorize funds for an initiative that had not been previously uh, included in the provincial budget and existing policy. Uh, furthermore, my justice is in... Uh, paragraph 8.1.5 um, we we made a, 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 a mistake um, we'd like to apologize to the court uh, this sentence in 8.1.5 is actually a heading to 8.1.6 that says that the limitation of the right to have access to sanitary pads for female learners in public schools and the ju- ju- the jurisprudence of progressive realization that's what we're looking at right now just um, Section 36 of our Constitution provides for the limitation of rights. It states in Section 1 that uh, the rights in the Bill of Rights may be limited only in a reasonable and justifiable manner. It's in uh, paragraph eight point one point six. The refusal by the MEC to authorize this ini- the initiative in question is based um, is based mainly on uh, resources made available by the provincial legislature, which are limited, my justices. The court needs to take a jury guide to the fact that the state does not have unfettered discretion to do as it pleases when it comes to a uh, fulfillment of socio-economic rights. As much of the, as much as the socio rights are offered importance. The state cannot do ju- uh, what it, it, it pleases, majestices. It has to look at uh, author, other other uh, um, authorities, majestices. So here, we uh, our our argument is based on Section Twelve of the South African Schools Act, Majestices. In this Act, um the the state provides for. Um, the, the, it says that that the, the MEC of education must provide public schools for the a, education of learners mm-hmm. and out of funds appropriated for the for this purpose by the provincial legislature. So the the, the powers of the MEC are mainly based on the provincial legislature, Majestices. And it is common cause that the MEC ha, has already done its job, Majestices. Is, is. Who are you representing? The, the, uh, the minister, the, the minister. minister. but okay. my question is is based on the the mc of education oh. okay. um, as i was saying mm. uh, the MEC has already done his job mm. he has already provided uh schools for 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 learners in order to, to, to for for their uh, uh, rights for, education. In
1: fulfillment of section twelve
0: mandate. Yes, my justice. Um, and then one other thing is that um, the, what the, the section twelve covers that the schools have, have to be provided for, my justice, by the MEC. And then it, it it then further uh, provides that these schools must be funded from funds made available by the provincial legislature justices. So the powers of, of the MEC are based on what the provincial the provincial legislature
1: includes. Can I just interrupt you? If I'm listening to you, I almost hear you saying that the applicant should have instead challenged the policy or the budget allocation from the from, from the legislature instead of enforcing this right as, a, as a, a, the provision of sanitary pads under the right to education.
0: Okay, justice, I understand your question. Thank you. Majestus, my question
1: is based on, now it's based on budgetary constraints. No, no, I'm, I know. I'm just asking you. Yes, ma'am. Would you say, instead of saying the provision of, of sanitary pads falls under right to education, the applicant should rather have have reviewed, or ha- should rather have challenged the policy itself. That's not what I'm saying, Majesty. I know that's not what you are saying, but I'm asking you. Okay. I'm asking my, a question. Okay, Majesty.
0: Yes. Um, my my argument is based on uh, the budgetary constraints. Yes. But we need to look at the right to basic education. Yes, Majesty. As we have already mentioned, that the Sanitary pads Initiative does not fall under this right. Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming should the MEC authorize this fund, the fact that the budget is constrained, it would be self-defeating for the MEC to authorize this initiative only for the, for the female learners in the Providence Home High School. The state already has limited resources. And this will mean that the, 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 the national and the, and the provincial policy will have to be uh, authorized for all learners across the nation to, to be provided for with sanitary pads. So it would be self-defeating majestuces to provide only for, this, for the female learners in the Providence High, uh, Hope High School only majestuces. And due to budgetary constraints, the state cannot provide for each and every female learner, Majestices, with sanitary pets in uh, with sanitary pads, because the right of equality must be promoted, Majestices. and taking into consideration the, the the budget that that we are focused on, Majestices, providing uh, sanitary pets to all female learners, majestices. Will, will cause an unbearable burden on the state
1: registers. But this is a small school, isn't it? This school is in the rural areas. It was a missionary school. I mean, how much would it cost you to provide 50 sanitary pads a month? My, 500. Uh, my argument is, is promoting
0: all the, the female learners. I'm, I'm, I'm mainly focused on all the female learners across the nation because it would be self-defeating for only to provide uh, uh, sanitary pest for fifty learners in the Providence High School. Mm. It has to be an, a provincial po- policy or a national policy. That's the promotion, the promotion of equality and justice. And due to budgetary constraints, the state cannot provide. Uh, uh, all the female learners across the nation with sanitary uh, uh, pads, because this is this is an occurrence that happens to uh, a female uh, every month, and some females, is uh, use more than one pack of. Sanitary pets, they, they they use
1: even three packets of pets. So, <laughs> <laughs> My this would will, this will cause an unbearable. Okay, thank you, Miss You've made your point. On, on <laughs> so, if
2: if you use three pets, you are prejudiced
1: <laughs>
2: too much. That's a lot. <laughs> a lot. So, a, you must suffer. Yeah. Not that you must
0: suffer. <laughs> mm. but Looking at the budget, the budget, mm. my justices, it, it's not going to be possible. <laughs> and we, we also need to consider the fact that this budget only includes uh, uh, what is subsidised under the the right to basic education, my justices. Even section twelve of the South African Schools Act emphasises the point that the funds made up available by the provincial legislature are only to to find what falls under the right basic education. Mm.
2: You said something about you and you explained availability, but I didn't hear you say anything about um, accessibility and adaptability.
0: Oh, My point was mainly on availability, but I'll further explain to you mm. what um, the other
1: A's include. Uh, in and you actually said four A's, but you gave us three. Yes. three. Mm-hmm. three.
0: It's, um, it's availability, mm. which includes infrastructure, mm. it includes classrooms, it includes adequate classroom uh, furniture, uh, it includes adequately trained teachers and textbooks. That's available. Adequate. Mm. And then accessibility, it includes physical and economic access to education. And then accessibility, acceptability. Adaptab- adaptability. Accessibility. Oh, it's actually acceptability first and then adaptability oh, okay. there. So accept, uh, acceptability, mm. education must be of great quality, which is what the Providence Hope High School is already providing to its learners. Mm. And then it further includes adaptability. Adaptability is education must be flexible to adapt to the changing needs of learners due due to changes in society.
2: Don't you think this
0: is actually
2: the relevant one? It is. I think it's relevant. It must adapt to the changes of the needs of the learners. Okay. Actually, you have helped them. (laughs) I'd like to explain what adaptability means according to
0: my knowledge. So it says, it includes that education must be flexible mm-hmm. to adapt to the changing needs of learners to changes in society. Mm-hmm. So it means that, okay, basic education is education provided for from the first grade to usually the ninth grade is mm-hmm. So it means that uh, a child has to get basic education from his or her uh, seventh year to the 15th year. Mm-hmm. And as the child develops, she will go further to grade 10, grade 11, and grade 12. That, according to my knowledge, is, is flexible, my justices, and it, it, it also provides for the changing, uh, the, the changing circumstances of the society.
2: Meaning, and, physical changes of learners and their biological changes.
0: My justices, I don't think that the biological changes are, is included in the right of basic education. <laughs> and then uh, there's further education. Mm-hmm. If that further education is provided for uh, post-metric, my justices. The state makes available uh, further education uh, according to, to uh, the constitution in, in paragraph B. Okay. <coughs> if you have any further questions. And the
1: uh,
2: question of costs, the applicant says you must pay costs. Okay. What, what do you have to say about um, that?
0: My justices, mm-hmm. uh, about cost, my justices, um, we need to look at the BioWatch principle, mm-hmm. my justices. I apologize to the court, mm-hmm. I didn't cite the relevant um, case.
2: watch, we know it, don't no yeah, yeah the principle. Principle.
0: It states that uh, in the in constitutional um, court, the parties are are not requested um, to provide costs, especially in matters that includes children, magistrates, and that includes organs of state. Actually, BioWatch says
2: that if if, if an applicant is pursuing a constitutional uh, issue, Mm -hmm. then the court shouldn't order costs against the applicant. applicant. And you are the organ of state. The organ of state is the one who must pay that's why again biowatch you have helped them with biowatch.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. uh, but, but but no now obs- we,
0: we continue your submission. Yeah um, we, we now our argument is based on the best interests of the Lenin's Majestices mm. and um in our in our, our prayers on uh, page fifteen mm. Majestices we have submitted that this has to be party, to party costs. Okay. But as you have already mentioned, that if the case includes organs of state litigation. and the cons- and the constitutionality this is of uh, the, the the child's best interest This we will then have to bear costs if the court
1: pleases. Mm. It's not about if this court pleases. I mean, on justice that this um, interaction with you. You are the one who mentioned biowatch. Yes. And and the principle of principle of costs here are the Biowatch cases. So in your you correctly mentioned rely on biowatch for this for your submissions, but in your head you are you are agreeing with Justice Studzi that if an applicant is is, 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 is uh, this is a constitutional litigation, an indigent applicant cannot be made to sh- Pay the cost. Okay. So if you agree with Justice Zati that Biowatch doesn't help you, but it helps the applicant, it means are you now withdrawing your party and party costs? Costs. costs? Your costs at all? Actually. Is, can
0: I please? Oh yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
1: You've got one minute to compare with you. Actually, 20 seconds.
0: to basic education, and at the territory order declaring that the sanitary PAD initiative does not fall under the subsidy allocation policy. Just, so Thank you. If you have any further <coughs> questions?
2: No further questions. Yeah, I does. think you've made your point. So. Um, can we take a five-minute break? Mm-hmm. Yes. That's why in court the judge doesn't carry (laughs) her (laughs) handbag. We we're done with the respondents. And should we just allow the answers? And is the
3: court. I am Catherine Makaya and I am the senior counsel. To my left is Nonghululeko Chaudhrys, who shall be the junior counsel in our case. We together come as representatives of Abantwana Community Center and we represent the best interest of the child. And your name, Kather? Catherine Makaya. The pertinent issue in our application is whether the decision (coughs) by the first respondents to reject the the sanitary pad initiative as being outside of the scope of the subsidy allocation policy is consistent with the South African Schools Act 84 of 1996. This decision by the first respondent was followed by the applicant to this matter, referring the matter to the second respondent, who, after receiving no response, decided to institute legal action. Before I can go any further and delve further into the crux of our case, it is of Importance that It is pertinent that we understand the definitions that shall be used and that have already been used, but that we understand the definitions as ascribed in legal language. <coughs> Menstruation means the monthly cycle of changes in the ovaries and the linings of the uterus. Preparation itself for fertilization. Sanitary products mean the disposable sanitary pads that comply with the standard contemplated in this policy framework and that is provided to indigent persons free of changes. Sanitary dignity means the preservation and maintenance of the self-esteem of any indigent woman or girl, especially during menstruation. Lastly, a child is identified as any person under the age of 18. Abantwana Community Center, as Amicus curiae, represents the best interest of the child and agrees with the applicant, that the decision by both the first and second respondent, but mainly by the first respondent to reject our sanitary pad initiative was not within the best interest of the child. The parties to the case present different arguments that led to their actions that bring us here today. As I stand before the Honorable Court, it is important that we understand that the respondent's focus was that the compliance of the Sanitary Pad initiative to the subs- subsidy allocation policy was was non-existent. So these particular su- circumstances raise concerns of inequality, indignity, and discrimination of children specifically female children who we represent as Abantua Community Center. The applicant's concern, on the other hand, is the negative effect which the actions taken by the first respondent to reject the the initiative will have on female learners in questions and the school. All negative repercussions, all of which will be negative repercussions, on the South African schooling system because absenteeism which absenteeism of female learners, which is disproportionate to that of male learners, will increase. And that will result in the female performance continuously being lower than that of their male counterpart parts. Further that female learners will be prevented from obtaining scholarships to university due to results being prejudiced and as a result, all of this will encompass a clear violation of children's rights, specifically that the children the child rights to education. We want us to specifically be able to identify that the children in question are female learners. And the female learners from Providence High are the primary focus and concern for Abantra Community Centre. The core issues in our application are whether the infringement of the children's constitutional rights and human rights are in the best interest of the children. Secondly, whether the respondents have the duty to act in the best interest and whether that duty extends ensuring that the subsidy allocation policy achieves that. And finally, whether the exclusion of the sanitary sanitary pad initiative from the subsidy allocation policy passes Constitution Master. When looking into the best interest of the child, it is important for us to begin with our first inquiry. That inquiry being whether the infringement of the child's constitutional rights and human rights under our law are in the best interest of the child. We take, for for instance, the right to dignity before <coughs> delving into the impairment of the right to dignity, it's vital to understand menstruation, and that menstruation is a natural and involuntary biological process which is experienced by every female of a reproductive age in monthly cycles. Without sanitary pads, this experience experience will cause female learners specifically to experience humiliation, as a result of their uniform being soiled whilst at school. It would also result in in the female learners experiencing mockery from their peers, and that would then lead to the impairment of their dignity. Education is meant to be directed to the full development of human personality and strengthening of respect. This we get from our human rights and the fundamental freedoms that are encompassed within the ambit of the constitution. Human dignity and the achievement of equality are fundamental values of our constitution. The respondent's duty is to enable these female learners, as well as all female learners, the ability to manage their menstruation with the reason of with the essential sanitary dignity. Required, which will, which derives its authority from Section 10 of the Constitution, inflicting on any person or persons conditions which are incompatible with the dignity by omitting to act, creates a limitation which impairs the equality of children of the op- opposite sexes, and disregards the right of female learners to exercise their right to equality. And to access education, That's making it prejudicial. Additionally, the aforementioned contravention by both respondents further discriminates female indigent learners of the applicant on the grounds of rural origin. We use rural origin in our argument because we have to look at the background of the learners. The background of the learners plays a pivotal role in us making sure that we (coughs) serve the best interests of the learners. Our female learners come from a rural community, and within that community, they receive education. Within that community, there is an impoverished background which disenables these female learners to access sanitary pads. We now want to focus on the nature of the right to basic education. The law of um, general application specifically states whether there is a right or whether there is not a right. This therefore means that should there be no existing (coughs) legislation or policy that explicitly states that the sanitary pad initiative is not within the subsidiary allocation policy or holds no constitutional master to be protected or provided for under the the subsidiary allocation policy, then there is no right which exists. Therefore, Section 36 of the Constitution is inapplicable. Further and above, it's important for us to understand that for every right, there's a corresponding duty. That corresponding duty can either be positive, a positive duty, or a negative duty. <coughs> and in that, a right has a qualification or an unqualification. The importance of the specificity and articulation of this is that should they be a, a qualification, they automatically is a positive duty, which can be progressively realized through the incremental steps taken by the state. Whereas if there is no qualification, the implication on the right is that there is a negative duty and the right is immediately realizable. Although the right to basic education doesn't prescribe a positive duty on the respondents, it does imply a corresponding negative duty on the respondents to not deprive any child or group of children the right to basic education. However, when looking at the child support grant policy, we realize that it's similar in nature and in principle to the sanitary Pad initiative. How, one may ask? Well, the nature of the child grant is that there is a monthly reoccurring need which is subsidized by the government on a month-to-month basis
1: you're referring now to the social grant correct
3: and the application of how it could be how it serves as a relevant grounds for us to make what appears to be a negative right mm. to actually use that qualification as as one that could qualify the Sanitary pad initiative as a, a right with a positive duty mm. so The nature being similar um, with the reoccurring need, which is subsidized by the government on a month-to-month basis for the child social grant, is actually very similar to that of the Sanitary Pad Initiative because menstruation is an involuntary involuntary, um, process (laughs) which occurs (coughs) from a month-to-month basis. And the grant is qualified by a fixed monthly subsidy allocation. The subsidy allocation which um, Justice uh, Tati mentioned. She had um, just given a vague example to just explain her point. She mentioned a thousand. In actuality, it's actually 410 as of 2018. 410
2: rands only. So, Oh my
3: apologies, a
2: thousand maybe is for old age. Yes. For <laughs> old. I'm sorry, I'm I'm confusing the two. So for, for so social grant is, is four hundred.
3: Four ten. It it was four ten, but as oh, of the it's said, very little Oh,
2: the respondent really four hundred. Yeah, yeah, i <laughs> so I thought it was hundred. I'm thinking a of old age, oh, yeah. pension. Thousand, yeah. Old
3: age pension thousand, is one thousand. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. So there are requirements, or for lack of a better word, requirements. But in actuality, those requirements are actually qualifications. So, to the extent that a child social grant has qualifications, that of which are so similar when mirrored to the sanitary pad initiative, we then come and put before the court that, should we not recognize the Sanitary Pad initiative as a right which has a positive duty? Therefore, propelling the honorable court to ensure that the respondents take reasonable measures to progressively realize the interest of the child in question. So when delving further into the qualification, we also find out that the social, um, the child social grant, there is a requirement that the child should come from an impoverished background. That which we've already established is the case mm. with our female learners, mm. as they come from a rural community. It also further stipulates that they must be South African citizens, and in being South African citizens, they must actually reside within South Africa. All of which requirements our female learners. Mm. So to the extent that in principle, the child social grant, which is subsidized on a month-to-month basis by the same government, which we come before and we appeal to and request that our sanitary um, PAD initiative also be considered and be in justice to not only the children of South Africa, all of them, but specifically the female children. So we want them to be mandated to realize their duty by ensuring that this policy be included within the scope so that to the extent that they argue budgetary constraints, there are certain budgetary um, provisions made and within the scope that can be redirected to the sanitary policy, uh, the sanitary PAD initiative. To the extent that we do not give this initiative a chance to be on the same ground as all the other policies and all the other um, subsidized things which are identified, such as administration and feeding schemes. then. It dies there, and we cannot give it any competitive footing to fight for its place
1: to be realized. Ms. McKay, can I just ask you something, please? You see, I don't know if it was you or the applicant's heads of uh, argument, which speaks about Section 1 of the, of the Constitution, which places a duty on the state. Correct. Right? so if we move from there as a premise right and say the state is supposed to provide all these all, all these in recognition of the right to dignity right. provide and supply for these needs right so you have agreed in your in your in your submissions yes. that social development is already giving giving the indigent child 410 per month so there is right per month so the respondents are saying from that 410 you shall buy salt toothpaste hair lotion and sanitary pads we as the respondents are saying to justice study and her colleagues why isolate sanitary pads from the 410 why do you want why are you bad why are you settling the respondents with your responsibility to isolate sanitary pads if we, as the respondents, are clubbing sanitary pads with toothpaste and, and, and sunlight.
3: If it pleases the court, may I respond to yes. your question? I find your question to be very interesting, Justice Seboko. Se- right? Yes, okay. <laughs> Justice Seboko. Uh, because the 410 rand, which is given to a child per month, does not clearly define to the child's caregiver who receives the money, what that money shall be used for. Nor is it our place for us to go to a child's caregiver or the parent of their child and dictate to them what that 410 rands should be used for. What we are saying is that we have actually um, realized and has come to our attention that 30% of the students don't attend. We then do a further inquiry as to the reason why those children don't attend. Our discovery from our research then comes and provides us with the reason, being that it's the sanitary pad initiative. It is the applicant's professional administrative mandate according to the South African Schools Act 84 of 1996, that they do all that is within their means to execute the administrative duty that of which they have done and have now come to both respondents and said here's an in- initiative which we have which we um, can back with adequate research and which we can actually justify as to the amount given which is stipulated hence the specificity in mentioning that the child grant is given to all children a fixed amount, so the four hundred and ten may be enough for a boy, but may not be enough for the needs of a girl. We cannot prejudice yeah, female because learners
1: by a week.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yes, and as our learners correctly as
1: was your point to the respondents. The respondents yeah.
0: But that
2: four hundred uh, also must cater for circumcision.
3: Hence we said the circumcision in principle does not even qualify to be on the table Mm -hmm. because the circumcision is one, a choice which Mm -hmm. is made, two, it is not a involuntary natural process in which your body decides every month for a span of four to seven days that it will go through menstruation. It is actually um, allocated a season outside of the schooling calendar for young boys to go at a specific age for initiation, get circumcised, recover, and then come back. So it does not affect uh, male learners in the similar light. And as you um, um, had correctly stated, Justice Katsi, that it is a once-off event. Unfortunately, as a female, I can tell you, <laughs> it is <laughs> not a one <laughs> If it pleases the court, may I proceed? Yes. OK. We now look into the rights to equality and education. On one hand, everyone is equal before the law. This right includes that the state promotes the achievement of equality through legislative and other measures designed to protect and advanced persons disadvantaged by unfair discrimination. The grounds upon which unfair discrimination can occur but are not limited to are sex and social origin. The right to equality can be limited directly, that meaning that the outright infringement of a protected right will be in existence. And an in or indirectly, which would mean that the action or rule seems permissible at face value. However, the effect of the rule or action leads to the infringement of a protected right. The UNESCO Convention Against Discrimination in Education provides that the term discrimination includes any distinction, exclusion, limitation, or preference which being based on sex has a purpose or effect of nullifying or impairing the quality of treatment in education, and and in particular of depriving, limiting any person or group of persons access to education of any type or at any level, subject to the provision of Article 2 of the aforementioned convention. On the face of the subsidy allocation policy, there seems to be no outright violation to the right to equality and to education. However, by narrowly interpreting the subsidy allocation policy to exclude the provision of sanitary pads, the policy indirectly discriminates on the female school learners on the grounds of sex. Because it is specifically female learners who experience menstruation every month and who will negatively be impacted by not having access to sanitary pads. The lack of access to sanitary pads infringes the female learner's right to education because absenteeism will subsist and and compromise only female learners and exclude them from being eligible for scholarships for further study. The overall effect of this is that female learners end up receiving education of an inferior standard, as opposed to their male counterparts who perform at an average that is 15% better than them. Because the male students are not affected by this dilemma. These are my final submissions. Should it please the courts, I am open to any questions before handing it over to my very
1: learned <laughs> <laughs> junior <laughs> counsel. No no questions from me. Thank you. Ms. No questions.
4: Planner. If it pleases the court, as my learned colleague has eloquently introduced me, my name is and I'm the junior counsel here in. As the respondents have generously provided, the best interests of the child are of paramount importance. As my learning colleague pointed out earlier on, a right has a corresponding duty. Even though the right to education in section 291 a of the Constitution does not explicitly state a duty, the Child's Act in section One a states as follows. In all actions and decisions concerning the child, we must respect, protect, promote and fulfill the children's rights as set out in the Bill of Rights and the best interest of the child standard. In upholding the decision made by the first respondent to not provide for the sanitary allocation policy, it has a domino effect on fundamental rights of the female learners at Provident High. Firstly, it indirectly no, it compromises the right to education because it perpetuates the absenteeism that's being caused by the absence of such, such an initiative, which the principal, in discharging his administrative duty, has showed that it is prominent and relevant to address this need. Secondly, the absenteeism is skewed to the female learners, thus creating a discriminatory effect on the female learners on the basis of sex. Furthermore, This consequently affects the dignity of the female learners, because they, due to this, perform at a lower rate than their male counterparts, and it has a further effect in that they are potentially denied opportunities, such as scholarships, which enable them to be competitive in the employment market. The extent of these contraventions uh, of the fundamental rights, And in addition, the unqualified nature of the right to basic education points to the fact that it is important for the court to compel the respondents to act in relation to those rights, the various rights that are being infringed, because this in turn will uphold the best interest of the child, which is currently being undermined by this decision not being implemented or even... Reasonable measures being taken in light of the fact that there are budgetary constraints. Going to the constitutional, the constitutionality of the limitation of all these various rights that have been limited. What my learned colleague pointed out is that the law of the gen- of general application stipulates whether a right, whether there is a right, or whether that right shouldn't be implemented. Most probably because it doesn't pass constitutional muster. What we're bringing to this point is that the respondent's limitation of these various rights is not justifiable because there is no right within the general law of application which permits that sanitary the, the allocation of the subsidy policy to sanitary pads is prohibited and this passes constitutional muster. So that in turn showcases and explains further the the extent to which this uh, decision made by the first respondent is unconstitutional. So building on that, us as, as amicus our main concern is the negative effect upholding this, the, this decision will have on the paramountcy of the best interest of the child. Furthermore, firstly, it would perpetuate the absenteeism, thus imposing on the female learners to be subjected to an education of an inferior quality.
2: The respondent's argument is that no right is absolute. What do you have to say about that? Every right is subject to other rights.
4: Um, <coughs> I do not disagree with that. But as I further um, continue in my argument, it will become relevant and address the point that the respondents raised. Okay. Secondly, uh, this would consequently disincentivize other potential sponsors to the school because the school would be promoting a discrimin would be prom- would be affected by a decision that proposed that creates a controversial situation in that it's discriminatory, right? Um. Thirdly, this will later cause an economic crisis in that the female learners' uh, uh, ability to compete against their male counterparts in the employment sphere will be undermined because they were prejudiced by this policy earlier on in their education. All of these negative effects are not in the best interest of the child. To the extent that we understand that there are budgetary constraints for government, what we're saying is, although by the nature of the right, it is immediately realizable, we open the floor that the court at least extend a positive duty on the respondents uh, to progressively realize this right by taking incremental steps. The principal herein, using the example of his own school, he managed to get a subsidy from the National Commission's Lottery in order to get a bus for the school, right? To that extent, the government too can assist the principal in realizing this initiative. by, fir- by firstly joining arms with other organizations such as NGOs and um, businesses which the school wouldn't necessarily have access to, being that they're in a rural community, in order to uh, facilitate in funding this initiative. And furthermore, also extending the subsidiary allocation policy to enable the um, Sanitary Pad Initiative to be included in consideration to compete for resources because it fundamentally, in this situation, addresses an educational need, which is the compulsory attendance of the student learners, which is mandated by the Schools Act. So, what we are saying is, the courts, together with the respondents, and as the school has done, get together onto the vehicle of justice and propel this initiative forward in able to correct the defect where the best interests of the child have been undermined. Um. Okay, so to this extent, we we ask that the court, firstly, order make an order declaring that this subsidiary and allocation policy is unconstitutional. This is on page 10 of the main head. To the extent that it does not include or promote the inclusion of the sanitary pad initiative, furthermore, we would ask the court to mandate the respondents to take measures that they can know incremental measures to progressively realise this right in the interim, while policy is being created or adjusted in order to accommodate this need. And
1: yes, that will be all. Thank you, Mr. I just need to find out from you. Yes. If remember your application or the application which you have joined as Amicus, relates to Providence High School only. Now, if your main concern is that the female learners of the school provided with sanitary pads. Would it matter in what form the pads arrive? In other words, would you insist only on an order that says the the department or the school's subsidy policy be amended to include a, an allocation of a budget towards sanitary pads? Or would it still satisfy you if the... MEC for Education, for example, speaks to his counterpart in social development to make sure that every day there's a box of sanitary pads delivered to the school.
4: Um, as an interim measure, it would be advisable for, even if it's not the complete extent of the amount due to budgetary constraints, an amount which is possible be allocated to the initiative while the while the MEC works, to find other reasonable measures in order to accommodate
1: the right. That would it be easier for, for, for social development, actually quicker, for social development to just deliver a box of sanitary ware there because adjusting a budget will be more tedious because the MEC, I suppose, must still go to the provincial legislature for an amended budget allocation. The department itself have to sit and restructure their, their budget. I think it will be quicker for even the lotteries committee to deliver a box there every month, if not social development.
4: Okay, yes, I agree. The main thing that we're fighting for is for the sanitary pad initiative to be addressed. The vehicle right now is through the subsidy alloca- allocation mm. policy, but to the effect that there are other measures which can be awesome. incorporated to realize it, it's
1: okay. Thank you. Miss yes. Makai, you wanted to add? No, she did. Perfect. Thank okay. you. <laughs> <laughs> Um, are you not asking for costs? Yes, I was just about to
2: uh, always cost cost cost. It's always important. cost. Yes. Never forget cost. Doesn't mean you'll get it but ask <laughs> for it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so are you are you not going to ask for costs? Um, you honest, want to, to consult be... with your learned yes. friend. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
4: Remember you're
1: amicus yeah. as, you, as you take the instruction. Hmm. Remember that you're amicus curiae, you're not an applicant, applicant or a
4: Right, we actually asking for clarity uh, from our research about the amicus curiae. Mm. Uh, we sort of came across that the amicus is not necessarily a party, a party. to the case,
1: which is why I ask you as you consult with Miss Makaya, rem- just bear in mind your amicus. Mm. Yeah, okay, yeah. so
4: I think that's why we didn't actually ask for guidance.
5: Was that a trick question? But what? Was that a trick question?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Okay.
4: Uh,
2: Are you done with your submission? I just wanted
1: to ask if there are any further questions. On my Mm -hmm. side?
2: Not from me, thanks. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, The applicant's time to reply Mm -hmm. can be very short. Uh, What the respondent has said. Yes.
5: My justices, I would just like to begin by just uh, highlighting a few things, as as we've been hearing uh, my learned colleague's submissions, mm-hmm. and I will also afford uh, my my pro counsel to, to submit where I have perhaps omitted. Mm-hmm. In the first instance, I think I'd like to address two um, perhaps more administrative uh, related um, points. Mm-hmm. Um, and first, that's uh, I refer to the applicant's heads of argument, um, and par- in particular paragraph 6.1 which um, uh, uh, my my learned colleagues for the respondents did mention um, (coughs) cited um, section 29.1b. Um, which is correct. Um, we just also wanted to note that um, if, you, if you had noted, throughout our heads of argument and throughout our arguments, we have actually been referencing the right to basic education, mm-hmm. but um, never expressly stated section 29 1 a. Um, So B was noted in, 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 the, in the latter part of our heads of argument, but we never really expressly said 29 1 a in, in the first half of our arguments. So just to, to note, and I don't know if it comes through the form of a, a condemnation, or uh, and a withdrawal. Um, but just to note that um, in our heads throughout, we have been reciting the right to basic education. That is the premise for which we were making submissions um, with specific uh, reference to um, the MSC's obligations there too. Um, and that there was a further point noted um, in our heads that obviously the rights is twofold, um, but the basis and the premise of this um, argument is on the Section one a just as a starting point. Um, Following from there, um, I would also like to address, in in the responses made by the the respondents, um, there was reference to access, and now obviously it's been qualified because of our point on on, on point six. Um, Again, Section 291A in particular doesn't prescribe or say that the state or that everyone has the right to access of basic education, but in fact the right to basic education which, um, as um, Amicus so rightly put forward, is something that is immediately realizable and which was highlighted in our arguments. And that is the premise on which we are bringing this application against the MEC, in particular, of education. Further, um, you should, I'm not sure if this was something that was noted by the court, but we would like to also, we noted it in the arguments made by the respondent. In particular, I think it's at um, paragraph 5.1.3 of the respondents' heads of arguments. Um, my, uh, the senior counsel for the respondents um, referred to um, uh, the, the Department of Health in making their submissions. Um, Your Worship, throughout their heads of argument, I hadn't noted reference to the Department of Health, only that of social development. But there was quite a reliance in his arguments on the, de- the, the mandate, or rather the fact that we should have, or the applicants should have brought an application or included uh, the Department of Health. I don't know if that means that they are supplemented heads that we did not receive, um, but I don't see that in their heads of argument. And so I'm not sure if, if the court will consider this also in making final judgment. But so that you're was saying that again from the back? Essentially, uh, my justice, yeah, that's what it appears. I, I don't, I, we didn't see it in the heads, so that's why I'm saying we don't know if there was a suppl- supplemented heads of argument, but um, it seemed as if what was presented and what's in the heads are not correlating on that particular point. Um, Your Honor, I'd also like to, my justices rather, I'd like to also refer you uh, to the points made in their responses on legality and administrative um, powers of the, the MEC, um, even the case law cited um, re- uh, refers a lot to administrative appointments uh, made by the MEC. Our submission here, Your Worship, is that this is not what we are dealing with today. We're not dealing with the administrative powers of the MEC in respect to making appointments. We're dealing with the administrative powers of the MEC essentially to enforce policies that exist. And part of our submission we did say is that um, it would, an interpretation of this policy and of Section 29 that excludes the initiative would be unconstitutional. And so our submission is that it does, in fact, fall within the policy because it serves an educational purpose. So just as a noting point there, that um, it, it appeared in their, in their submissions that we are de- dealing with um, legalities and administrative powers, but in fact here we're dealing with a policy that's already existing. It is in force. It is in law. We're just saying that it does include the poli- it does include the, the initiative on the basis of human dignity and equality, as per section 29. Um, you wish, uh, my justices, further. Um, we did also, also mention that the right to education is a key socioeconomic right. And so, therefore, the right does impact accessibility, which they pointed out in their arguments, but has a direct impa- impact on poverty. Amicus has already pointed out that we're talking about learners who are in a rural environment. Um, the MEC, in as much as you may want to delegate certain responsibilities to social development and other related states of organ, they also have a role to play because, again, the MEC's mandate is not to particular schools, it's to all schools, including learners in rural communities. So we cannot negate the responsibility of the MEC on the basis that um, you know they don't have budgetary allocations. Again the Section one a right mandate that the MEC or the, the, the state, rather, makes this right immediately realizable. Further, I think Amicus also pointed to this as the positive obligation constitutionally to make this right realizable. Um, and that I don't need to expand on. I think they rightfully pointed out. We're just reiterating that that's our position and our submission.
1: Sorry, if I would just interrupt you there. On, on that same point, the respondents are saying the MEC and the, and the minister's um, duty is to provide. Okay, the first distinction is the rights to education and the accessibility issue. Yes, and and they are saying what you are complaining about, the issue of absenteeism, resultant upon lack of sanitary way, is a question of relates to accessibility, mm-hmm. and for that you can go to social development.
5: Well, uh, respectfully, Justice, if I could respond to that, um, we, we disagree with that. And again, as I've said, whilst uh, paragraph 6.1 in our heads does refer to further education, our submissions throughout the entire uh, course of the court's uh, session today has been on the right to basic yes. education there is no need there to discuss accessibility. That is not the concern particular to basic education. More more importantly, it is the immediately realizable nature of that, or at least the, the duty placed on mm-hmm. the MEC to immediately realize that. So accessibility is not of primary concern to the applicants, because again, uh, we're relying on the basic education right here. If I may proceed. Yes. We also noted in the responses made by the um, for count, by counsel for the respondents, and I think it was also mentioned at paragraph 6.1.4 of their heads of argument, that the MEC um, – well, they conceded that the MEC cannot exclusively reject the policy, wish uh, my justices, um, in this case, we just wanting to confirm that the uh, respondents do also co- uh, confirm our points, um, that, in fact, uh, the MEC cannot reject the, the the decision to include the policy. Uh, the, sorry, the initiative into the, the subsidy allocation policy. It seemed like it was a, a, a basically a confirmation of the points already made by the applicants. Okay. Um. The last point, uh, my Justices, that we would like to make also here is that it seems that in the heads of argument of the respondents and including in their arguments, there was quite a reliance on the negative um, sort of uh, duty placed on them which is essentially that unless they have a budgetary allocation for it, there's not much they can do. Um, I, I think it is erring, um, it, it's, a, it's, it's an error on their part also because, again, there is a positive duty here. Um, the MEC is empowered to make certain decisions with regards to education and educational purposes. And we have not seen in their responses an adequate sort of justification or explanation as to those aspects of their duties. Um, and, and therefore, really infringing on the Section 28.
6: If it pleases the court, my ladies, um, I'll be short um, just to address, um, you know, a few of the respondents' contentions as well. Um, the respondents contend that the MEC would have to fund the entire province should um, they allocate. Actually,
2: nation. Yeah, all oh, they yeah. said no, nation. In nation.
6: fact, um, should um, the MEC um, allocate a budget for the school, um, as the applicants we do also put it forward that not all schools are in lack not all schools are poor so that also needs to be taken into account that other learners from other schools can in fact afford to buy um, their own sanitary products and um, also just to um um, allude on the preamble of the constitution um, where it says that um, this constitution is adopted as the supreme law of the republic so as to heal the divisions of the past and establish a society based on democratic values, social justice, and fundamental human rights. And so we say, taking um, the nature of the environment in which these learners are in, um, it is it would not be fair to say that the MEC um, would then now have to provide um, an allocation to all um, schools in the in, in the nation. Secondly, um, the respondents also contend that um, the feeding scheme and transportation um, initiative would suffer if the state were to divert its resources. Um, However, we also um, put it forward as the applicants that um, we cannot prioritize the two over the sanitary pet initiative. Um, as everything, all of these um, factors contribute to the best interest of the child. So everything should be taken um, in consideration and not to just say, but we're going to prioritize transportation, we're going to prioritize feeding schemes, but we're going to neglect um, the sanitary um, pet initiative. And also, um, we also noted that in the respondents' heads of argument, um, they did state that the initiative is of a discriminatory nature, um, in the sense that uh, a large amount of school uh, of the school budget would be directed to cover for a social need. Um, which is just for female learners, um, and as the applicant, we also put it forward that there would be not there wouldn't be a discrimination um, in this regard, as male learners wouldn't necessarily be discriminated on any grounds. They already have what they need. Now we are also addressing just the issue of female learners who cannot afford sanitary pads. So it would be an error for the respondents to put it forward to say males are also. Um, being discriminated, unless males also need um, sanitary pads, but, <laughs> but there, there isn't such a thing, and so we, we can't say there has been a, a discrimination on this. But that concludes my um rebuttals. If there are any questions from my ladies, not from me, simply. thank you. Um, if you please, I
1: actually have no further questions. Thank you okay. very much.
2: Okay. Thank you, all the respondents, the applicants, the amicus, for all your hard work and presentations. Uh, so the court will adjourn now so that we deliberate it. Mm-hmm. Yes, I don't know.
1: Lunch
2: is there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe. Mm-hmm. Abigail.
5: Yeah, no, I think we'll just go out, we just use go use out use so we can deliberate. Yes,
0: please. Yeah. The yes, level
2: of okay. preparation yes, thinking
4: of feet is what is she was
5: saying,
1: I do like this. Very good. No, no, we just asking, but maybe we needed to make an announcement about lunch.
5: Oh, um,
3: I Price. think it's
5: it, on the program that it was allocated
2: for our Clearing the subsidy allocation policy unconstitutional to the extent that it excludes the Sanitary pet Initiative to in order mandating the respondents to employ measure to give effect to the sanitary pet initiative, three, in order to expand the ambit of the subsidy allocation policy to include the sanitary initiative, and four, cost of, of the application will be on a party and party basis. And when the judge read the judgment, you all stand up and say, no, only the oh. cancer. <laughs> <laughs> um, we
4: are uh, missing uh, the amicus.
2: Yes. So oh. mm. Mm.
1: Where, are the, Where are
2: the amicus?
1: Again. the oh. again. <laughs> <laughs>
2: There is a dissenting judgment in this. Um, this is the main judgment, and there is a dissenting judgment. And Justice will call the dissenting judgment. The dissenting judgment.
1: Section 12 of the school's X makes it clear that the responsibility of the state, Department of Education to be specific, is a provision of access to education. Sanitary pads are considered by applicants to be a health care services issue falling under the mandate of the Health Department and or uh, Department of Social Services. Respondent argued that any order directing respondent to provide sanitary pads would be an offence to the doctrine of separation of powers. I disagree. Section 41 of the Constitution speaks about intergovernmental relations and Um, encroachments in that regard. The doctrine of separation of powers relates to the separation of powers of the executive, the judiciary, and the legislature. This court made inquiries about section three of the um, South African Schools Act, which implores the MEC to facilitate that learners are able to attend school. Social development mandate is mandated to provide for these needs, so argues the respondent. Considering the principles laid down by this court in Subramani and Khludbrum, I agree with the respondents that ordering the respondents to provide sanitary pads would unnecessarily overburden the respondents. There is a distinction between a right to education and the facilitation of access to education. The respondents in their argument places reliance on these two cases, Subramani and Khludbrum. Plaintiff mentions the Wachenuka matter in which freedom to study is inherent in human dignity. The facts of the Wachenuka case are distinguishable from the Hrubum and Subramani matters and as such does not avail the applicant. This brings me to my next point, the issue of limitation. Respondent concedes that the interests of the child are paramount and that the refusal by the MEC is a limitation of the children's right. The question now is, is that limitation justified in terms of Section 36? To answer this question, I'm of the view that Section 1 of the Constitution and Section 3, which provides for uh, norms and standards contained in the Schools Act, which uses the word need, can can be extended to include sanitary pads. If Section 1 of the Constitution directs the state to provide these needs i agree with respondents that social development has um, catered for these needs by the provision of social grounds grants the applicant has not suggested that the subsidy policy is unreasonable irrational and as such stands to be reviewed and set aside i am of the view that the recourse for the applicant was to attack the administrative decision taken by the second uh, respondent by the creation of the policy in line with the regulations under the Schools Act to review and set it aside. It is on that reasons that I make the following order. Okay. In order declaring that the sanitary pet initiative does not fall under the right to education, a declaratory order declaring that the sanitary, sanitary pet initiative does not fall under the subsidy allocation policy. Yes. Codogens. Oh, sorry, it's not my. This uh, is this is the code. No. We must yeah. stand up and say <laughs> it, this is the code. Yeah. You can see that.
2: So you know the difference between a uh, main judgment and the dissenting Okay, all right. So in case of the main judgment, um, those who want reasons, they can apply in terms of rule 49, <laughs> <laughs> subsection, subsection one of the uniform rules of court. We will provide the reasons for, for this order. For the main Yes, the court adjourn. Thank you.
1: <laughs> So what it means, therefore, is that the applicants are successful. Mm. Or at least I... <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, no, sometimes people refer to... Uh, like the dissenting judgment. Yeah, dissenting judgment, yeah. They quote it, so it's not like you have lost... No, but no I you say, have not lost. You <laughs> guys, um, you, you impress me. I mean, some of the advocates don't even argue like you. All of you, you're so good. You're so passionate, and I think that is important when you argue. You must believe in what you are. You must show passion, and I think this is what all of you have shown this morning. And what's
3: sorry? Yeah. And what's really remarkable is the fact that uh, you you guys can um, stand up Mm. and speak off the cuff. Yeah. And and. and speak so well yes so well
2: really 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 impressed you guys are ready to take briefs
1: (laughs) (laughs) thank you you very much guys i I think for me really what what stood out are two things the level of preparation Preparation. and just the presentation i was Mm. like Mm. these people practicing advocates already and and the
2: confidence that you, you all showed you know Um, you you did well, your posture was good, and uh, you showed confidence, you believe in what you are doing, which is, because you have to persuade the judge and Mm -hmm. tell the judge, don't uh, uh, agree with the responder, Agree with me, or don't <laughs> yeah. agree with the applicant. It's like you are selling something to the yeah, judge, and true. the judge looks at you and see this person doesn't even believe what they are saying. Yeah. Yeah. So you um, must show the judge that I'm passionate me. about this. I'm sure of the facts, and I'm, I'm I believe in what I'm telling you. Mm. I know it's it's for effect. I'm I'm right, and you must rule in my favor. Mm. Mm. Yeah, but. I mean, mm.
1: Advocate Abigail was whispering. To, uh, Justice Abigail was whispering to us to say, "Wow, even <laughs> if we go, the profession is in good hands." Yeah. <laughs> that's exactly how I feel because the caliber of
3: uh, of performance that I've seen, the, the caliber of work, um, really, I'm, I'm I'm pleased to know that uh, our profession is in good hands, and I'm very proud of you all. Well done.
2: We are opponents. We, yeah. must, we must watch out.
1: That's true. I actually was saying to my colleagues here, I'm in a matter where somebody's suing the MBC for education and Gauteng, and I act for the MBC. Mm. So I say to my colleagues, My heads are already done. <laughs> my heads are done. I mean, I look at all these cases. No. <laughs> <laughs> and and, and you know, I've been agonizing about the MLO case, and I'm like, yes. OK, I want yeah. to read it in within this context. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the judge is going to think, ah, oh, but winner, you are right. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Thank wow. you so
2: much.
1: Thank you. Thank you, thank thank you for your thank hard you. work. Yeah. I really appreciate reading. it. Excuse me. Uh,
3: uh, thank you so much, uh, you guys, for participating. And yeah, you did the yes.
1: I think we should give you just one more. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
3: if we can just have a special vote of thanks for the judges who gave up their time and effort and energy uh, to make this day what it was. Thank you very much. Thank you.
1: Thank you, everyone. Thank Thank you.